Just before I start, I, I wanted to, during worship, Ben came forward and he said, I, I feel like we're struggling to get through, this thing's way off center and it's just messing with my OCD in the, in the heaviest of ways. I, I, just give me a second. Okay, it's just, that doesn't work for me. That's what it's like living with OCD. That little thing there needs to face that direction. <laughs> and this needs to be in the center, not off to the side like that. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to preach well. I need to be focused. But we were talking about, um, we were talking about not being able to enter well, the whole time while we're worshiping. I just kept feeling, I didn't come up, I probably should have. Just say, have you, we have to learn how to meditate on God. And, and um, I was going to share this during the worship and maybe take us into a place of meditation. But David says this in Psalm 63, says, My soul will be satisfied as with, with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. It's just learning to meditate on God is such a powerful thing that I've learned and I, I probably don't do it as often as I should and there's others that probably do it way better than I do. But just close your eyes for a moment. I just, you know, we can preach real deep spiritual scriptures, but if we're actually here for more than that. You know, we're here for God. So just picture this. There's a, a small seed that moves from a man's body into a woman's body, and it touches an egg. Both of them can only be seen through very high um, def- definition uh, microscopes. As that egg touch, as that seed touches that egg, there is an, there's a light that's that actually there's a light that flashes in the womb of a woman. And when that happens, this code begins to unfold, and that code begins to create the knitting together of cells that grow with inside of a human another human's body that just cell upon cell just begins to form that when it's formed to the point where it's sufficient that that human being that is formed inside the body of another human being comes out of that human being and begins to continue to grow as those cells continue to be knit together. And the most intricate of all of creation, besides God himself, who is not created, but is the creator, grows up into a human being. Our eye is the most intense lens that is known in in the universe. And every one of us stand absolutely unique. There is no other human being that is like you that has the same code in your body. And then you have a fruit that falls from a tree onto the ground. And when that fruit hits the ground, it begins to decompose. And as fruit decomposes, it releases the water that's been stored in it. And that water then activates that seed shell to crack open. And from almost nothing, this taproot grows down deep into the earth and establishes itself. And then the stem and the stalk starts to grow. And before you know it, this thing is growing out of the ground into a, a fruit tree and produces multiple fruit that, that sustains life. 
And then you look into the space and you see this big ball of fire that none of us can look upon with our bare eyes. That just burns and has burnt there for thousands of years. Where does the gas come from? Why doesn't it burn out? Why doesn't the gas run out? Why does the sun continue to burn at its intense brightness and never run out of its own gases? Is it, is it, is it self-creating its own gas? These things that, are, that I'm speaking to you about came out of the mouth of a, of a God who actually lives inside of you and me. And we live inside of him. That, that for me is just mind-blowing. How fantastic God is. And you look at night up and you just see billions and billions and billions of these burning balls of gases that are millions of light years away. No human being will ever be able to, in this life, ever be able to travel and touch the end of those. In actual fact, that universe is ever increasing because when God spoke, it came out and it will continue to create and continue to expand. You'll never reach the end of that universe. It will just never happen. In actual fact, when we, when we leave this world and go to the next world, for all of eternity, we will never, ever, fully even know God. That means that we will never, ever fully figure Him out and get to the point where we go, wow, I actually know you completely. We will always be discovering something new about who He is and His nature and character for eternity. And we come this morning and we get to just stand and worship and we get to enter into his presence, and we get to feel the manifestation of that presence in us, on us, around us. We get to open our voices. We get to praise that God. Why do we ever doubt that God cannot repair a broken body and remove an illness, destroy a mindset, bring down powers and principalities that sit over us, change your circumstance? Remove your struggles. He is our shelter. He is our refuge. He, we find shelter in his wings. He is life itself. He is the great creator. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is in all things and he is sovereign over everything. And he is intricately involved in your life. Isn't that incredible? Go and sit outside this afternoon because it's a lot cooler now as the sun's going down and just watch the trees. Look at the plants and think about them, how they came to be. Look at the birds that come and sit on your fence or that are hopping around your garden. Look at your pet. Look at your child. Look at your spouse and just begin to picture how detailed, how perfect, how pure, how Unique each of those are and know that there is a creator who, who stands above all of that, who put that together by opening his mouth and speaking. And then I tell you what, you close your eyes and you just begin, just begin worshiping. I tell you, that just gives you such a sense of security and safety and peace that we are wrapped up in this God and this God is wrapped up in us. Isn't that amazing? And he, get, and he calls us his sons and daughters and we get to call him father. It's amazing. We often forget that when we come. When we come to worship on a Sunday, it's a formality. There's, the, the, the overhead's not working. The sound's not working well. We've only got three people in the band. By the way, some of the best bands in the world were only three-piece bands. You know, Nirvana being one of them. But 
We, we often come and there's just all these little strifes and troubles and there's these little things. And, you know, Israel woke up every Sabbath in the morning. From sunset, they would, they, would, they would sit and they would eat food. They would celebrate in feasting together. And then in the morning, on the Sabbath, they would wake up. Because remember, their, their, their days are from, from evening, from sunset to sunset, not from sunrise to sunset. Or, it was from sunset on the, on, the, on, the, on the Friday, what we would call Friday, to sunset on the Saturday, that was the Sabbath. But they would wake up in the morning and they would all stand. Picture this, 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 this whole community, this whole society, this whole nation standing with this tent. And inside this tent is this, is this box. And in this box, there is this presence of a supernatural creator who has chosen, for whatever reason, to contain himself with man in the box. He's not obviously contained in the box, but he's... He's there, which we call the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Presence. And the whole nation would stand, one and a half million people would stand in the daytime on their feet in different places around this tent, looking at it, facing towards it, and then just worshiping for hours and hours and hours. And they would go down on their knees in the sand and they'd put their faces to the ground and they would worship for hours. They'd lay in silence for periods of time, and then stand up, and they'd wave their hands in the air, called, that's called yada, waving their hands to worship this creator God. So there's something about that that grips me. When we as the Western church wake up on our Sunday mornings, and we look around, and we've got all these other things that just distract us, when we come before this creator that I spoke about earlier, and, and that was only just a minute amount, like we can meditate on God for, for, for our whole life and we would never figure him out, as I said already. We come and we stand here as a community and we just get to worship, just to worship together. Not by yourself, because it is individual worship, but together. We stand with each other and we just offer up praises to that God. Isn't that amazing? I don't even want to preach on Ephesians because I'm almost just so captivated by God. He's just amazing. But we have. We've been, we've been speaking. I spoke two weeks ago about Ephesians, and I wanted us to, and we'll just, we'll just go through a short portion of it. We're not going to finish it. There is no series, as Ben told me on the phone and wrongfully told you today. Um, we will just unfold this book until we feel that we've achieved what we want to for this period and then move on to whatever else we feel in God's leading us into. I'm not saying that as a leader. That's just a discussion I had with the, the elder in this community um, yesterday on the phone. And, um, but we spoke about, I, I spoke about Ephesians being just such a spiritual book. It's not a book that's, it's written to humans, yes, but it's, we miss the spiritual dimension of it. And I spoke about the fact that there is three, three realms. The, the third heaven, which we see quite clearly in scripture, the second heaven, and this, which is called the first heaven. The, th the, the third heaven being the throne room of God. The second heaven, a place where, where spiritual beings, Elohim, they called in the Bible, which is a plural word for God's, small g, Elohim. God is El Shaddai, Yahweh, the Most High God. But there are also Elohims, which every Jew would, would go, do not, do not bow down to the Elohims of other nations, the other gods. Okay, They are in this realm, angels and demons. Every idol is just a piece of... If this was an idol, which, it, funny enough, it's become that now... Um, 
But if that was an idol, that idol is, is, is nothing, Paul says. It's absolutely nothing. But that idol is attached to a spiritual being, a demonic being. Do you understand that? Remember, we have to understand as Christians, I said it, we, we cannot send an army with sticks and stones to fight against a military that has automatic weapons. We we're going we're gonna to lose. But the church has done that because we don't want to touch the spiritual world because we don't understand it. And it's okay not to understand it. That's why it's called the mysteries of God. But we have to learn that we are spiritual beings before we are physical beings. We are, we are first spirit. Our bodies, which are physical, will pass from this world and we will continue in spirit to live for all of eternity in the spiritual realm. In the third heaven, in the throne room of God, in that place that the new heaven and new earth will be created in which we will live in a new glorified body. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. But our spirits are alive for all of eternity. We And I said we have to learn, you see in the scriptures where it speaks about powers and principalities and rulers and authorities is not speaking about local governments, about human governments. It's speaking about the powers and the principalities and the prince of the air who sits in the spiritual world, in the spiritual the second heaven, which has authority over regions. And you can see in different regions, I don't know if any of you have traveled the world, but you, you hear from different countries, oh, we have this as an epidemic in our nation. And you go, oh, we don't really face that in Australia. But in Australia, we have epidemics which you don't see in other countries. Why? Because it's attached to the spiritual beings, these, these powers and principalities and rulers that sit over these nations, over cities, over regions. And our role is to engage on this realm with whatever comes against us here in the terrestrial realm, the natural world, God has given us as human beings authority. We see that in, the, in, 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 um, in Genesis, in the garden. God calls mankind to have authority over all of the earth and to take forward his government and to increase that government over all of the earth. This is our plane of authority. We have been given exosia, power here. Amen? And then we have been given dunamis power, which is an explosive power to operate by, under the power of the Holy Spirit, that explosion of the Holy Spirit coming out of us. But, but exosia is, a, is called a delegated authority. And we can see clearly in the scriptures that, that these, these, these lesser gods, these demonic powers, have a delegated authority over certain regions. And our job is on this earth to bring them down, not by engaging with those gods, because we engage with Elohim, our God. Sorry, not Elohim. El Shaddai, our God. We worship God like Daniel did. He fell on his knees and he prayed. And he praised God most high. And God released his army to fight with those in the spiritual world. Daniel did his job in his realm. And God did what he was going to do over his realm. So when we, have, when we get involved in spiritual warfare, we've got to be very careful how we do that. Don't take on powers and principalities. Do you know how you take them on? Ben spoke about it last week. He said this from verse 7 of, of chapter 3. He says, Of this gospel, our Paul and we all together are made uh, a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the, the unsearchable riches of God, of Christ, or sorry, or of the Messiah. And to bring to light, to bring to light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery that was hidden for ages in God? Now, God hid this 
What we're walking in now, what we're supposed to, let me rather use this language, what we are supposed to be walking in now is a mystery that God hid for ages. He hid it away. The Bible speaks to this. He says, if, if, the, if the devil knew what was going to happen when Jesus was crucified, he would not have sent Jesus to the cross. He would not have orchestrated that because he did not realize because God had hidden that from him. Lo and behold, the enemy stood there and when Jesus died, at that moment before he died, the enemy felt he had won. And the moment Jesus died, he went, oh, and the, the bleep, bleep, bleep. What's going on? Because Jesus just unlocked everything that had been lost in the garden. This is powerful. That's what we get to live in every day. God hid this in, sorry, this mystery was hidden for ages in God who created all things, isn't it? That's just the meditation part. So that through the church, this is what Ben spoke on last week, through the church, so God hid it for ages past because his plan was that through the church, the called out ones who gather together. You know, the word church doesn't just mean the called out ones. I heard that spoken about. I actually taught that at first. And then I read the word ecclesia myself because I just thought, you know, the preacher that was telling it was right. Until I actually looked at it and I realized, hang on, it doesn't just mean we called out. It, it means the called out ones who assemble together. If you're by yourself and that's how you're going to do church, Christianity, you're actually really actually not the church. <laughs> You're a lone ranger. But when you actually come be a part of the church, it means you gather, you're part of a tribe. So that through the church, the manifold, which is the, mani- the, the multi-dimensional, multifaceted wisdom of God, might be now, might now, now, in this time, in this era, be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Not to rulers and authorities on earthly places, but to made, made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So, and Ben spoke about that. We spoke about operating and walking in the wisdom of God in everyday life. Wisdom, like I ask God, this is, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. There's no word of a lie. I'm not trying to pump up my own tires and I, I just don't do that because I really don't care what people think about me. I really don't. And, and, um, and that's come with a lot of training and hurt that I just go, I just don't care what you think, really. But the bottom line is, I pray this every morning. I say, Father, I just ask you for your wisdom, not just for, for your wisdom, so that I may be a good son to you. That's my first thing. I'm, I'm first a son to God. That I may be a great husband to my wife and to bring her forward in your ways and to, and to help her to flourish in who she's called to be. Then to be a good father to Rio and to help her and bring her up in your ways until I hand her across to her husband who will then continue that journey, that I would, I would learn how to raise her well. Then I ask for wisdom to be a good, a good son, a good brother, a good friend, how to operate in the gifts God has given me for the benefit of building up his church, how to be wise and understanding and, and, and a great employee in my company. I always pray for those things. Then I ask for wisdom on how to deal with my finances. God, the money that you have given to me, what, I want you to give me wisdom on how to administrate that in this realm. What do you want me to do with that money? Every day, when I pray, I pray that. Because it's that wisdom of God that surpasses all knowledge, surpasses all understanding, that, that, that reveals who God is to powers and authorities. And actually, in some senses, it shifts what's over here. So 
This realm here, the earthly realm, we shift here opposite to what the spiritual dimension above is doing. Why? Because that realm there actually doesn't have authority in this realm unless we give it authority. But we have authority in this realm. This is our place. This is what God gave to us. And we need to take charge of it. But when we sit back all weak and lonely, we can't even come and worship God on a Sunday morning when the sun is shining, then how do we expect to operate in that wisdom? How do we, when we worship, when we worship, the scriptures are clear, when you worship, when his people praise him, God is thrown, is established on the praises of his people. Of his people. Established. And I said, I said a week ago, how many churches, and it wasn't, it was, it, it felt like a trick question. How many churches on the Gold Coast? And everyone, wow, there's 260, you know, 150. And the, the response was actually there's one, one church. There's one church. But because we live like that, oh, there's 200, there's, we live with that mindset. And we're going to read on a little bit now, and I'm actually going to, I think I'm actually going to make it. I just feel, I feel confident about this. From verse 14, open your Bibles, Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, now Paul's saying, for this reason, for what reason? For everything that we've read from chapter 1 until this point in chapter 2, which is chapter 2, sorry, chapter 3, verse 13, we've read up to there. For this very reason, that God hid away these things, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be known, uh, be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. For this reason, I, Paul, bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family, listen to this, every family in heaven, and on earth is named. That's, that should actually spark a question. How many of you, do you know that when we pass away from this life, pass from this life to the next, we're not married to one another. So my family, I don't take my wife and that with me. We go into that place and we will know each other, but we will not be married. There will be no need for marriage. So what is he talking? It's because he's speaking about from every family in heaven, because there is God's family in heaven. I just want to say this to you. The angels are part of God's family. They're not just servants that run around, you know, doing things like robots. They're part of God. God created them like he created us, but for different purposes. They're part of God's family. That according, from verse 16, that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened. So Paul is praying Based on all of this, I'm actually praying to God for this, that you may be strengthened, strengthened with power, dunamis, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ or the Messiah may dwell, live, remain in your hearts through faith. That you, that's powerful, that, that God's spirit will remain, sorry, that by the power, the dunamis power of the spirit, Christ, the Messiah himself, actually takes residency in you. That's a, that for me, I haven't grasped the fullness of that. I really haven't. But it's something that I'm growing in. That you being rooted and being grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. So, how, that, that, I don't understand that, but we need strength to comprehend God's love. That means it must be quite a powerful love because you need strength to actually comprehend it. Have you ever sat and thought about the whole God thing? I've sat before and thought about where did God come from? How did that come from? How can he love? I've gone through those processes. You will drive yourself insane trying to figure it out. You actually need some form of courage and strength to enter into a journey of trying to figure out God because it is impossible. And we got, Paul is saying, I'm praying that you have strength so that you can actually comprehend this love. 
comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the heart, and what is the depth of his love. And to know the love of the Messiah that surpasses knowledge. Friends, there's something about the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, intellect. That's what that is there, gnosis, intellect. And that you may be filled, sorry, that you may be, so I'm going to read it again, that you may know the love of the Messiah that surpasses knowledge. Why do you need to know it? Why do you need to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How do we get filled with the fullness of God? By starting to comprehend the love of God. You want to walk, do you want to know what it looks like when we walk in the perfect, pure love of God? It looks like Jesus. We all want to attain to Jesus, but let me tell you one thing, Brad included. In actual fact, I'll, I will stand on this chair and I will put my hand up higher than all of yours because, and both my hands, and if I could, I would put my feet in the air as well because I fail at this all the time, but none of us here actually really know love. We struggle to love. We struggle to love that person who annoys, annoys you. It annoys me. We don't understand this love, but it's a journey that we have to get on. Let me say this, have to get onto it. Yeah, we all want revival. Who wants revival? Man, we've got everything about revival. This is the biggest thing at the moment. You know, since whenever, the 80s. Revival. We're going to have revival meetings. We're going to have revival worship. We're going to have revival home groups. We're going to have revival fire. Revival, revival, revival. With, you know, can I tell you something? Without the wineskin, there ain't no wine. He's not going to pour his wine out. And let me tell you, the wineskin is the new covenant and it's love. It's a love and it's an unconditional love. Not a filius, brotherly love. Affectionate love, an eros love, and a passionate love. It's not that. It's it's a, it's an it's an unconditional agape is the Hebrew as a Greek word. Sorry, agape. I want to say to you, the closest you will come to understanding unconditional love is when you have a child, and even then, when they become teenagers, agape love starts to go out the window. When they're all cute and and happy, and you're loving them, and you're like. I feel how God loves us somewhat. Let me tell you, that is a minute amount of how we feel. But then all of a sudden, they do something to annoy you when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, and the love that agape turns into, you know, a non-agape. Unconditional love is gone. I'm telling you, it's real. Because we, we struggle to love that way. Now you try and live in a community of people called the church. Look at us. We're all diverse. We're all going to annoy each other. Some of us don't like each other. Some of you don't even like me. That's Okay. That there's people I sidestep, you know? When they come in for a hug, honestly, I just sidestep them, back to them, I'm talking to this person. Because those people have hurt me. They hurt me. But agape love is that even though they rejected you, he went to the cross. That's agape. Even though we were enemies of God, Christ still died for us. Now let me ask you this question. Those people that annoy you, would you die for them? The truthful answer is no, we wouldn't. If we all want it to be truthful, if you want to lie, you probably say, yes, I would. That's fine. You can, you know, come give me some of your holiness because I need it. But what I'm saying is this is real. If we want to walk in the fullness of God, we actually have to learn how to love. And I honestly need a lot of God's help and empowering grace for that because I'm telling you, we, we struggle with that. Then he goes on to say this. Now to him, I could pretty much just stay on that love part for so long. And it's just, that's, the, that's a wrap. Mark drop. God help us all. But Jesus is the model. 
Chapter, tw- uh, sorry, verse 20. Now to him, to God, who is able to do far more abundantly. Some scriptures say far more exceedingly. So, sorry, or exceedingly more. Far more abundantly or exceedingly more than all that we can ask or think. Some of the scriptures say ask or imagine. Because the word think and imagine can be the same word. So let's put it this way. Now to God, who is able to do exceedingly more than all that we as human beings can think or imagine or ask. Ask whatever you want. Think whatever you want. Close your eyes and imagine anything. He's able to do exceedingly more than that. But how's this? This is the the humdinger. He does it according to the power at work within us. Wow. God has chosen, for some reason, in His sovereign wisdom, to work through human beings. Why? I think it's because He loves us. But we don't know that because we don't understand agape love properly. So we want all of this. We want the dunamis power. That's at work within us. We want this stuff. We want the fullness of Christ to be formed inside of us. We always go, we need to be more like Christ. We need to be disciples. Then you need to learn how to love just the way God loves. There's a great book that I've read, um, and I haven't even finished it yet. It's called Repenting of Religion, and it's by Dr. Greg Boyd. I, I want to recommend, go read that book, Repenting of Religion. It's a brilliant book, and, and let me tell you, it, the Holy Spirit convicted my heart when I read that book. Just convicted me. You sit around and you, it's just, I don't even want to get into it. It's too long. But just, go, if you have time, go read it. Repenting of religion. If you want to know, and come and ask me afterwards. According to power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus the Messiah throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a great prayer. That's a phenomenal prayer. Thank you, Paul, for praying that. Chapter 4. And we're not going to go through all of chapter 4. We're just going to get to this. Ah, therefore... So based on all of this now, remember, this, remember, there's no chapters when Paul wrote the letter. He didn't go, this will be chapter 4. He wasn't writing a book. He was writing a letter to a church, a very spiritual letter to a church that was in a, a place that was battling against incredible spiritual, they were having, sorry, they were having incredible spiritual warfare because they were in a place where Diana or Artemis had her a temple, which was a, a key city with a key Elohim, small God, operating. And he's writing to them a spiritual letter, teaching them how to tap into the spiritual dimensions and how to bring that into their city in the natural realm, how to ground it out, we call it. Imagine going on a, on a, on a, on a YWAM trip like that. You know what I mean? Ephesus, that's your place where you were located. And you've just been, in, you've just been equipped with, by, with the spiritual power to go in there and just to bring down every demonic activity that's around you on the earthly realm. Are therefore, because of all this, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, I therefore urge you to walk in a manner. You want to, you want to see the, the fullness of Christ? You want to walk in the, according to His power that's at work within you? You want to show the wisdom of God? You want to show the wisdom of God to the powers and principalities, to the rulers and authorities. You want to walk in that power? This is how you do it. Walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, bang, we fail there. And gentleness, bang, we fail there. With patience, (laughs) we definitely fail there. Bearing with one another in love, again, we fail there. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
Western church, do we live to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? I want to suggest to you, from what I hear, I read, I see, the sermons I listen to, the books I read, we have failed hopelessly on maintaining unity. This is one of the biggest areas where we fail. We fail on unity. There is every denomination that says something about that denomination. Someone operates in the, in the presence of God in one area and somebody else doesn't like it, so they rise up and they just bring those people down. Everything I see in Western Christianity around the world is all about bagging off somebody else, but because we are obviously want to love God and we want what's pure and holy. So we can't allow somebody else to operate in something that we're not seeing. We become the biggest critics of the move of God because we're jealous of it moving on somebody else. Wow. And we have been called to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to say right now, Western Church, we need to operate in unity and peace. That is our biggest downfall. Until we can operate in unity and peace, we will never have humility. We will never have gentleness. We will never bear with one another when somebody else fails. Let me tell you, a minister falls, what happens? Go onto a blog and see what happens to when a minister falls. When a man who's leading a church stumbles and falls and does something wrong. Let me tell you, we are like the Pharisees who dragged that woman to the feet of Jesus and wanted to stone her, calling for judgment. Judge him, God. How dare he have an affair? Judge him. Stone him. Kill him. Remove him without any opportunity for him to ever be redeemed again. That's what we do. I kid you not, man. And we call that love. Agape love and unity. And peace. Now, yes, there's consequences to what people do. But when I look through the scriptures, man, I look at a God who saw humanity and he redeemed it. We have a ministry of reconciliation, not of judgment. Ministry of peace and of love. It's so easy to judge somebody when they fall. Then you know what? Take half this Bible and rip it out, throw it away. I've been told not to read books, don't read books by that guy because he went off the path. But what about all the books when you're still on the path? No, we throw it all out. Just, let's just rip out everything about David. Let's just rip out everything about Moses. Let's just rip out everything about Noah. Let's just rip out everything because every single human being failed, failed, failed. The only one we can keep is Jesus. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to shock us. I'm trying to reveal to us just how we are after something, but we're going after it in the wrong way. We have to make an attitude adjustment. The attitude of our hearts needs to be adjusted so that we can bring down the powers and principalities that are governing. You want to you see the powers and principalities come, out, come down over our nations? We want to see the kingdom of heaven manifest here on this realm here and to see circumstances changed? We first have to change how we respond as human beings, as the church. Before, we, before God will ever trust us with power. You want, a, you want a Harley Davidson? You can't even ride a tricycle yet. That's how it works, man. You want to you learn how to ride a tricycle. Learn how to push yourself around with your feet first. Then get a bicycle with training wheels. Then learn. Then have those training wheels while daddy holds the back or mommy holds the back of your bike until you can not wobble and, and ride into a tree and harm yourself and somebody else. And then God will trust us with things like Harley-Davidson's and Ferraris. I'm not saying real cars. We're not naming climate here. But I'm just, I'm using, it's, it's, it, God wants to trust us with power. I, had a, I, had a, a, I went to a, a meeting um, with Paul Tottel, funny enough, in, in the Drakensberg Mountains 
sorry, not on the foothills of the Drakensberg Mountains in the, in the, the, the KwaZulu-Natal Midlands. And there was this guy from England who was actually an ex-doctor. Um, and um, he, he's now become a minister. And he, one day, he just had this revelation of how it was to unlock the power of God. And he said, I was a doctor. I wanted to help people. That's my whole life. I wanted to help people. He goes, what I began to realize is that when a patient sat before me, I, as a doctor, who was qualified as a doctor under whatever governing authority in the, England, in the UK there was, the, the National Health Service, he, he, was, he was, or National Health Authority, he had the authority to pick up a pen and to write a script that would unlock medication, specialists, other medical professionals to an individual sitting in front of him. And he had this revelation that God has given the same authority to us to unlock those. But he could not do that when he first became a doctor. He had to go through a process of working in a hospital as a, what are they, what are they called? Like a scrub. What are they called? Like an intern. He, if he signed a piece of paper, it was worthless. He had to, he had to diag learn how to diagnose, then go to someone who had been before him, ask this, uh, someone who was more um, um, sort of qualified than he was, and they would then sign these documents with their name. If his signature was any, on anything, nothing would happen. But he learned how to just how to be humble, how to, how to go and follow, which he speaks of a, of a process of discipleship. And then one day he was sitting there writing out a script, and he went, wow, actually I have... I have all, whatever I write here, the government, the, the National Health Association in England will give this person whatever I write on this piece of paper. Whatever it is, they'll give it to them. No questions asked. I can, I can, put the, I can send this person to the best surgeon in this country with no questions asked. I can give them any medication I want to with no questions asked. And he went, that's exactly what God wants us to do, to be able to operate tapping into that realm, something that he said, I couldn't see the, N the NHA, but I knew that I had the ability to unlock what they had, the provision, the storehouses that they had to help all these people. That's us, man. We are that. Walk in a manner that's worthy of God. There is one body, chapter four, sorry, chapter four, verse four, one body, one spirit, just as you, church, you individual people were called to one hope, that belongs to our call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. Do you, do you think that Paul's trying to make a statement here? One. One God. We serve one God. We all have one spirit. There isn't the, there isn't the Pentecost spirit, the charismatic spirit, the Baptist spirit, the Pentecostal spirit, the brethren. There's no, we don't have the Holy Spirit that's separated. It's one spirit, one Lord. We don't have different gods. We all have one God, one the most high. El Shaddai, Yahweh, we have him. We are different tribes, just like Israel. And I spoke about this in the first, the first uh, message that I did. We, Israel was multiple tribes, but one nation. And each one of those tribes had to fight for the land. When they went to the promised land, you go read through, through Joshua. Um, they fought for one another to establish each other's inheritance. My gosh, church, we're all fighting for people. Come to my church. We've got this and this. And come here. It's actually quite fantastic. Come, we've got soft seats, not these hard plastic things that are, you know, outdated. Like, we, 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 we always competing with one another instead of actually contending for each other. It's a great fridge magnet statement. Yeah? Go put that on your fridge magnet. 
Stop competing with each other and contend for each other. Signed, Jesus. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And we're going to end it there. What we're going to do is we're going to end up going into what those gifts are. And I'm, not, I'm going to show you, or me and Ben together, uh, and whoever else is going to get up here, we're going to talk about those gifts, show you how, what those gifts are there for. The gifts are not there for to be served. They're not there to be served, should I say. They are there to equip us, and we will see that clearly in Scripture. For us today, I want us to go away, not, not feeling heavy in heart, because it's not the way preaching is supposed to be, but I want us to feel challenged, because every time, you know, we see, every time we see truth, it should challenge us. It should challenge us to change, but at the same time, we should always feel empowered to, have, to make that change. Like, I, I'll read these books, man. I'll tell you what. Conviction doesn't mean a heavy, ugly, oh, I'm, convi- I'm under conviction, brother, you know? Oh, I'm under conviction this week. Conviction means to convince the mind of truth. That's, and, and guess what? The Holy Spirit convicts us. What does He do? He convinces our minds of truth. The Scriptures are clear when Jesus said He will come and He will, conv- he will con- convict the world of sin because they don't believe in Me and of righteousness because I'm going to the Father and of judgment. Right? He doesn't convict you and me of sin because we don't have sin. We are now a new creation. But he convinces us when you operate in the flesh, which is what we do when we don't have patience, when we don't have gentleness, when we don't bear with one another, when we actually don't operate in love towards each other, and when we make all the other silly fleshly things that we do, which is things that can range from from pornography, to having affairs, to alcohol abuse, uh, to, to physical violence and abuse, to being a, a, a swindler and a thief, and, and whatever it looks like to you, it doesn't matter, right? All that stuff there is acts of the flesh. The Holy Spirit will come to you and me as a born-again believer, and He will convict us of the truth, that that is your old nature. Stop doing it. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say, Walk by the Spirit and do not, because that's my own strength. Okay, I'm going to walk by the Spirit, and I'm just really going to still use my own abilities to not do these stupid things that are of my old nature. But he says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not. And Paul just said, yeah, walk by the Spirit. Walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. Be patient. Be loving. Be kind. Be gentle. Bear with one another in their stupidities, in their failings. Because guess what? You're going to want them to bear with you in your failings. And let me tell you, I've been a man that has failed hopelessly and I've had friends just wonderfully bear with me. How, that's just grace. So do you know what I want to do? Extend that grace back to other people. Oftentimes, when I see someone do something wrong or someone annoys me or something goes down or somebody offends me or whatever the case is, I always, I'm always, if I want to approach them, I've always got to go, stop. Let me always take, and the scripture is clear, take the plank out of my eye before I even approach him. Now, we have the opportunity in the wisdom of God to go and help somebody take out the speck from the eye. We do. God, God gives us that ability. But before I go, it's the attitude of my heart. What am I going to go and do? Well, you did this to me, so I'm going to tell you. Actually, hold on, hold on a second. Just let's back up again. Let me first realize, I come with all of these things in my life that God, you gracious towards, and you and, and others have been gracious towards me. When I approach this person, if it's my wife, my daughter, my friends, my pastor... I want to approach them and go, hang on, I want to be gracious towards you. I want to come to help you because I know that I've been helped. I don't want to come to tell you off. 
If you want to go tell somebody off, go look in the mirror and talk to yourself because you're the only one that needs telling off. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. But if you, if you want to go speak to somebody else, you're going to go alongside them to help them. That's love. That's maintaining peace. Can I share that thing about the, the pastor saying that, the, the, the rabbi saying that thing, and that'll be the end of the story? Great. How's that? Five minutes, eh? And we started with, with another, the meditation. So I'm just, it was, that was like a bit of grace there for the meditation part, okay? I stole five minutes of my own sermon. The, the, um, there was a guy called uh, Shane Willard, and he, he was actually, he's a Christian. He's an, a very interesting person. I actually love listening to him. He's, he, he was schooled by Messianic Jews, but these Jews were rabbis. They actually were, they understand the, 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 the Hebrew. The, like this guy was actually a, a proper Jew who had been saved, but carried on. They're carrying that, 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 that rabbinical way of doing things, which is very, very cultural and very, very good because Jesus was a rabbi, okay? And they were, they were in a conference-type environment, and he was sitting off to the side while this rabbi, Messianic rabbi, was teaching. And he was getting excited about what the rabbi was saying. And so he was going, yes, because the rabbi was interpreting text. And he was going, yes, and he was using his hands, because if you, if you know Shane Willard, he's quite, a, he's, he's quite an extravagant guy. He likes to use his hands and talk, and he's a bit eccentric. But he, um, he was sitting there saying stuff, yes, yes, uh, uh, amen, good, good. And, and, but the rabbi didn't really hear much and didn't notice. Eventually he stopped and turned to him, and he went, he went, he went I'm sorry, Shane, if I'm saying anything that's... Not correct. Let me be wrong so that we may maintain peace between us. And Shane was like, and then he carried on preaching. And Shane went, what's going on there? Afterwards, he spoke to me. He said, Rabbi, what, what, what was happening then? He goes, he goes, no, to be a peace, he said to him, let me explain to you what it means in the scriptures to be a peacemaker. He said, a peacemaker is this. I've got my views and I've got my interpretations and I've got my opinion. But if they're going to be if, 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 they wrong, if they are different or opposed to yours, rather than this, us argue in your eyes, rather let me be wrong so that we can actually have peace between us. Because peace and love between us is the highest priority. Wow. That just blows every Christian blog right out of the water. Bang. We'll just have debates and arguments about what we differ on rather than maintaining peace between us. And Shane just went on this journey and, I, and we heard that he... Just to, to, to understand what this means. To be a peacemaker is to not be someone who runs around. Jesus was so secure in the truth that he walked in. He didn't need to argue with anyone. They didn't agree with him, so he's walk away. But we want to enter into the blog fight, you know, the Facebook. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. This da 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 da. And because uh, we want to, we want to be right. Because that's what Westerners do. We want to fight for our right. We right. I've got to prove that I'm right. Actually, no, you don't. <laughs> Why? Why do you need to prove you're right? Oh, so we can change their mindset. But you're not going to change it by arguing with them. You're going to change it by being steadfast, peacemaker, gentle, kind, loving, filled with the Spirit. Amen? Let's pray for ourselves. Shall we? Let's pray for ourselves. Lord, we need your help. It's a great prayer. Lord, we need your help. We really do. We, I, I hope that what I've preached today, Father, would bring honor to you. It would lift people's eyes towards you. It'll make us excited about you. It would, it would help us to be convicted of who we really are, which is sons and daughters of you, Most High. That we are your ambassadors, Lord Jesus. We are your disciples. And that we are here to, to reveal your kingdom and your nature and your purposes to each other 
to our families, and to our city around us. So would you, Holy Spirit, convince our minds of truth? That we would put aside these things. One of the biggest things I want to ask today, Lord, is that you help us to walk away from here as we meditate on you, that we would learn, we want to learn how to love. We want to, as a church, as individuals, enter, onto, in, enter into a journey of learning how to walk in agape love, which we know is an endless journey. But we want to get on this journey, Lord. We want to, we want to be able to have the adjustment of our minds and hearts to learn how to love, love you, love one another, and then to live out that life from that place of understanding this love, that we would draw other people towards us. We, would be a, we want to be known as a church that is a peacemaking church. We want to be known as a church that has your presence resting here because you love being in a place where there's just peace coming from your people. All other things, Lord, the revivals, healings, deliverances, all that, I believe, stems from a place where your presence dwells and remains in us, operating through us. We're able to release you to each other, release you into our times together, be it in our home over dinner with our spouse and kids, or whether it's at a barbecue with a whole lot of friends, or whether it's here on a Sunday, whatever it looks like, when we spend time together, we just want to release your presence and have an atmosphere of peace and joy and righteousness. And we know it stems from understanding love so that we can actually have the fullness of you, our Messiah, manifesting in us so that the powers and principalities will see the manifold wisdom of our God and Father. So we ask you, Father, to help us. Your grace is sufficient to empower us to live godly lives, to live upright lives in this evil age. Fill us with your grace and your life. Yahweh, creator, most high. We worship you with our lives, with our mouths, with our finances, with our time, with the gifts you've given to us, with our families, with our belongings. We worship you with all of these things. May we not be talkers, waffle on with elaborate sermons about this, but actually learn to live it out. Even if we fail, we get up and we keep moving forward towards you because it's the most important thing. Bless everyone here, Lord. Bless everyone that's not here as well. Bless them in this week, in this day, in their life. Bless every marriage here. Bless every child that's part of this community. Lord, bring peace upon every single one of us. Peace into bodies where there's illnesses and ailments. Peace over minds where there's worry, concern, depression. We just release your peace over all of this. Peace over people's financial statuses. We release peace. Peace into jobs, Lord, where there's just chaos happening or people don't have jobs. We just release your peace into those areas. Peace into friendships and relationships with each other. We release peace, Lord, in your name, Lord Jesus.